This year we've been uh, talking about the year of ambassador. Every year we put, have a word for the year and God leads us through that, challenges us, challenges us with some areas like that. And we've been talking about what an ambassador is, kind of giving a, a rough uh, framework to begin talking what we're talking about. And that, you know, we talked about how the, the definition of a biblical ambassador is one who is sent into or across enemy lines to deliver a message, basically a, men, a message of reconciliation. Come in line with our wants, or there's price to pay. There's, there's a cost to pay. And that that uh, ambassador, that messenger that is sent, is expendable. And we've had some really wonderful, happy stories about expendability. Some wonderful sermons, in, you know, trying to inspire us to Look at ourselves as being expendable. How's that working for everybody? But one thing that helps me as a, as a believer, you know, put the whole pastor thing aside, something that has helped me as a Christian uh, make some of the choices that I've had to make in my life is, and, and to allow myself to be expendable, is my love for God. Is that I love Him. That I care about him. I care about my relationship with Him. And when, when that happens, when, when that is active in my life, then, then allowing Him to lead me and guide me where He wants to go rather than where I want to go is actually much easier. Turn with me to Matthew. Chapter 22. We've all heard this. I've preached out of it many times. But I've preached out of it usually from, from one side of it. And this morning, I want to look at a different side of it. And I'll, I'll show you what that means after we read the text. Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. What's happening here is that Jesus is at the feast, and, people, and the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law are coming up and testing him, trying to trick him, trying to corner him into saying something wrong. And a couple have already come and asked him questions, and it says uh, in verse 34, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And we've been talking about loving God. You know, Pastor Dan, years ago, his, his uh, phrase that he would say often, it would be, you know, it was on all of the bulletins, and all, love God and love people. Now, there's really not much that you can add to that, is there? That's kind of the basis. That, that's the center point. There's, that's the way focus of a biblical worldview. It's the beginning point that we're first supposed to love God and then we love people. Because we love God, we love people. As we love God, we will naturally have an outcropping of loving people. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a biblical truth that just everything bases it upon. Now, if you're anything like me, 
when, when you think about saying, I love you to somebody, this, this way is, is much easier. I love you. She's my wife. She's a female. She's a, you know, it's easy. It's, it's, it doesn't sound weird for me to say, I love you. Now, in our culture today, it's a little harder for me to say, I love you. <laughs> now, I do love him, and I've told him that before. I mean, usually in a crowd, so there's witnesses, you know, and all the, you know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? When, when we're talking about a guy, or we're talking about a situation, it's a little different to say that. And the same thing translates over into our walk with the Lord. Ladies, how many of you, I mean, you know, don't, don't raise in your hands, things like How many of you, it's easy for you to, to, to think about God, to think about Jesus, and go, I love you? But for men, it's a little different. You know, it's a little different being thought of as the bride of Christ, guys, isn't it? <laughs> but yet, we're commanded to love. And, 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 and in conversations that I've been having with the leadership in the church and the, you know, in some different groups that I've been talking to, this kind of keeps coming back. How do we love God? How do we express our love toward God? Now, we can sit here you know, in, in this, song, you know, in this uh, congregation this morning. We sang songs of God's love. And some of you had no problem you know, saying, God, I love you. Lord, I love you. And that's, you know, but, but you know, maybe you're, you're more mature, you've been in the, in walking with the Lord longer, you have a deeper understanding of it, but for some of you, it's kind of hard to, you know, go, oh, Lord, I love you. What does that mean? Or if you've thought it through and say, well, do I really love him? This morning, I'm gonna, we're going to actually, you know, kind of push that button. Do we actually love God? Now, I'm not questioning your motives, I'm not questioning your dedication to the Lord, all I'm saying is, what is the standard for biblical love? We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13 next if you want to start turning there in your Bible. And I've usually preached this from the angle of, how do you love other people? And we go down the list and say, you know, how's this, how's this part of your walk with this person? How's this part of your walk with that person? How are you treating this? You know, and, we, and we have a biblical outline of what love is. But how often do we do that with God? Because the definition of love is no different from us to another individual as it is between us and God. Do we really love God? Or how is our love walk with God? How do we express our love to God? How do we do that? 1 Corinthians is a perfect place to check that out. 1 Corinthians 13. Begin with verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship to hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain nothing. 
when people think about being a Christian, I mean, if I were to ask you, what, you know, how do you know you're a Christian? How, what, what defines you as a Christian? Many people will answer those things. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. That's, that makes me a Christian. I, I, I'm learning to, I'm knowing about God. I'm growing in knowledge about God. I go to church. I'm filled with the Spirit. I speak in tongues. I, I give money to the kingdom of God. And, and you go down this list of things that define you, or, or at least we try to define ourselves as a Christian. I turn my body over to hardship. That, that's translated, I work in the children's ministry. Or youth ministry, or ushers, or I I I do something. I go on a mission trip once a year, and we try to define our relationship with God by the things that we do. But Paul, after each one of these things, he said, "You can have the greatest faith in the world." I mean, we we look at ourselves, and if I were to define us as a church as a whole, you know, as what we believe and how how we operate and how we view the, the Bible, all those things, I would say we're a faith church, right? That's what I would say. But he says, if you have faith that can move a mountain and you don't love, you're just a noisy clanging symbol, which is beautiful, Jesse. I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong about that. Or a crashing gong. You can give all the money you have. You can make millions of dollars every year and give 75 to 95 to 100% of it away. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. When we define ourselves as a believer in Jesus Christ or as a Christian we can list all these things that we do, but if we don't have love towards God, it's nothing. If you were to give that open-ended question to the, the mass majority of Christianity, we would get this list. Some would say, I love God. But then my next question would be, how do you love God? How do you know that you love God? How do you know that you love your spouse? How do you, how, spouses, how do you know that your spouse loves you? Do you know that your spouse loves you? Is there evidence that your spouse loves you? The same thing with our, our walk with God, our love toward Him. Is there evidence that we love God? And what is that evidence? How do we do that? Paul defines it, and we're going to walk through it. Now, here's a disclaimer. I need to give this disclaimer out right now. Because anything I'm about to say in the next 15 to 20 minutes has nothing to do with you. Or any conversation I've had with you over the last week or two. If I've had a conversation with any of you and some of these things have come up, I'm not talking to you. Right, Jane? <laughs> or Deb? Okay, does everybody... 
So, now, now, so if you recognize yourself in anything I'm about to say, I, I was not thinking of you personally when I wrote this, okay? Or, you know, as I, as I made these notes. Now, all who agree with that say we do. We do. Yes. Good. Okay, we got that covered. Because we're going to step on some toes here. Especially mine. So, are you a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? Without love, we're nothing. The most important commandment we can follow is love God. So, here's the test. Let's put this to the love test. Love, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. So I ask the question, are you patient with God? Are you patient with God? I said I'm going to step on my own toes. If it fits you, that's fine. Yesterday, I've been, uh, I've been working out. I've been talk, we talk, talked about that a little bit. You know, I've been working out. I've been doing some things. I've been doing push-ups. I couldn't do push-ups, you know, most of my life. I did, well, I could put, do I just didn't do them. It's a little different. So now, now that I'm going to be, I'm going to be 49 this year. What's up with that? I didn't know like a friend of mine said, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of my body, right, you know? So now I'm turning, and now I'm starting to do push-ups. Hello, my body's going, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And parts of my body are aching. Part, all of my body is aching, yes. But there's one part that's hurting the worst. This elbow Yesterday, I couldn't, I couldn't bend it or straighten it. Either way. Either way caused so much pain, I thought, I don't know that I can do another push-up, ever. I mean, I just didn't... I'm thinking, what is the deal? So yesterday, I'm, I'm nervous now because I'm thinking, wait a second, I want to keep doing this, but now it hurts so bad, I don't think I can do it anymore. And my first thought, because I'm a Christian, I said, okay, God... I just I speak to my elbow right now in the name of Jesus, it is healed. I mean, that's what faith people do, right? That's what the Bible says to do. I said, in the name of Jesus, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of it, I'm healed. I, you know, I believe in healing. God, I just thank you that, that healing is the children's bread, and I just speak healing right now over my elbow. And then five minutes later, I went, okay, let's try. Ow, ow. My immediate thought was, God, what's the deal? It still hurts. Okay, okay, I'll try it again. Lord, I just continue to believe you for healing. And ten minutes later, I tried to bend it again. Still hurt. About halfway through the day, I realized I was impatient. I thought if I said the right words, and I quoted the right scriptures... And I've, I've had this happen before, you know, and, and, I've, and God's had to re-teach re, re me again, re-educate me. Do you know that sometimes, even if it's the right thing, even if it's the biblical thing, even if it's what you want and, you're, and you're, you're jumping through all the right hoops and you're saying all the right words, do you know that sometimes it takes a while? And just because it doesn't happen in your time period, doesn't mean that God is unfaithful. But it's easy. I fell into this yesterday. I was impatient. Love is patience. God, I just pray for my family member. 
Lord, I ask you to, to, to speak into their life, bring people across their path. Lord, help them. Help them to know you. Lord, help them to, to come to an understanding of you. And then it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen tomorrow. It doesn't happen next week. It doesn't happen next month. It doesn't happen next year. Who is the most patient person that's ever lived? Other than my father-in-law? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I love you. I couldn't help it. It was just there. It was just... I'm in so much trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble. No. Do you know who is the most patient person in the world? Noah. 120 years waiting for the first drop of rain. And those 120 years translate into 365 days a year, every day. 365 times 120. And every one of those 365 translates into 24 hours that it didn't rain. And he stayed faithful, and he stayed faithful, and he stayed faithful, and he stayed faithful. How do we show our love towards God? Is that if, 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 we, if, if we, we, we're doing what he tells us to do, if we allow, and we're believing for something, and we've, and we've done our part, we, we, we are patient with him that he'll do it when it's the right time. Whatever it is. Whatever his timing is. But it's so easy to get impatient with God and say, you know what, skip it, God. You just failed me. Because I didn't have it in my time period. That's just the first one. Love is kind. Love is kind is that we react in a gentle, this is the definition of kind, gentle, good-natured, and benevolent. So when we react to God, are we good-natured? Are we benevolent? Are we gentle with God? Are we going, God, what is going on here? How come this isn't happening the way I've been asking you for? And let's move on. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Now, I've often got into this exercise with my relationship with God. This is something I, I'm, I check myself on on a regular, regular basis, whether I'm loving towards Him. I've struggled with that whole boast and proud thing because it usually comes out this way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. I'm going to accomplish this for God. Instead of saying, you know what, God, what do you want? What is your standard? What, how do you frame up my relationship with you and my life's walk with you? Lord, I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll, I'll do it. But when we start getting out ahead, and I do that, God, I'm going to do that. That's pride. I'm going to show you how much I love you by acting this way, by accomplishing this task for you. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what we think as far as I want to do this for God. He just wants us to love Him. And if He says, go and do this, we go and do this. We're people under authority. And He's not even grading us on, on our accomplishments. He just loves us. 
And he knows that these things that he sends us to do are not things that we get notches on our belt for. It's, it, it, these things that we do are to accomplish his plan in the earth to help other people. To bless other people. To help other people grow in their relationship with him. Declaring what I'm going to do and not do is boasting, which is rooted in pride. Verse, on, verse 5. Love does not dishonor others. Do I dishonor God with my life in any way? And the answer to that is disobedience is dishonor. Verse 5b. It's not self-seeking. <laughs> oh no. We'll move it right along. 5c. It is not easily angered. Have you ever been angry at God? Oh yeah, I have. And, I, and I've never actually been angry at God. Yeah, hello. Yes, I have. But it always comes out in, I'm angry about something that I didn't get or that I, I thought I deserved or somebody else got that I should have been. You know, how come they get to do that? And I'm angry. And what I'm really angry is, God, you're short-suiting you're short me here. God, you're not, you're not meeting my needs. You know, you, you didn't do that for me. I mean, we would never be dumb enough to say, I, I'm angry at God. But we are angry at God. God, you didn't fulfill my wish here. God, you didn't help me here. God, you didn't answer my prayer this way. It is so easy to get angry at God. Hey, I get it. Someone dies when you don't, don't expect them to, or you know, how many you know, times if you lost your, your parent as a child, or you lost a child as a parent, it is so easy to fall into, God, what are you doing? And becoming angry at God. Now, we have to interject this. This has to be said here. He loves us. He loves you. So even though we fall short, He loves you. He doesn't keep record. He doesn't get angry with you. He doesn't keep record. We're going to get to that one in a second. He doesn't keep record with, uh, of your wrongs. He's showing us that perfect love all the time. We're the ones who, who look at this as a human relationship. That he owes us something, and that if, it, if, we don't, if he doesn't meet our everyday, every moment need, we somehow feel like he's short-suited us, he's hurt us in some way, and we have a right to be angry with God. God, why didn't you make me like so-and-so? Why didn't you give me the talents like so-and-so? Why, why did I have to grow up on that side of the tracks? How come they get all the benefit? All of those things are, are blaming God for, for life. And a life that's, that's being lived in a fallen world. Life is not fair. And God never said life was going to be fair. He just said he would walk with, walk with us through it. And he would give us a life that is, is so far beyond what we could do in and of ourselves. Yeah. 5D. It keeps no record of wrongs. In the past five years, this is a rhetorical question, please nobody answer any of these questions. If in the, pa in the past five years, how many times have you been disappointed or ungrate ungrateful for how your life has turned out? How much of that was God's fault? And if you can think of any more than zero, you're keeping record of wrongs. 
God didn't come through me for me in this area. God didn't do that for me in that area. You know, we do that. We're human beings. I do that. I'll be the first one to admit it. I screw up. I'm human. And I do it on a fairly regular basis. I've done it lately. I've done it recently. How do we walk in love towards God? God, well, see, I'm going to get ahead of myself. It'll wrap up here. It'll all pull together in just a couple more verses. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Do you always trust that God is working in your best interest? Are you always looking at the situation you're in and placing your hope squarely in the hope that God is in control? In our lives, there's all kinds of needs. There's all kinds of opportunities for God to come through for us. Were we're, were we asking God to help us? And there's all kinds of opportunities, whether it's because of human misunderstanding, because we miss it sometimes, whether it's because we just don't understand how God wants to work, whatever, we, we, we have opportunities to be disappointed, we have opportunities to look at our, our needs and our wants didn't pull through, and, and, and we have all these opportunities to blame God. Walking in love with God boils down to, God, you're God. You know what I need. I can even list them for you. Here's the stuff I need. Here's the, here's the provision I need. Here's the thing I need as a human being. Here's the, here's the whatever it is. And it's wrapped up in that verse. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hope. And I'm going to believe that every time you're going to be right on time, you're going to fulfill those needs. Lord, I trust you. And we treat him We love him as we would want to be loved. Because that's how he's treating us. I trust you. Even when I'm disappointed, Lord, I trust you. It's going to work out. I'm not going to keep record of wrong. I'm not going to count how many times you've messed up. Because I know it's not you. He's God. His ways are higher than ours. His ways are are deeper than ours. They're more wise than us. He sees things that we don't see. He understands things in context that we'll never understand here on this earth. And when things happen to us, we have to trust, we have to hope, we have to believe that He's doing it the way it's supposed to be done. And when we do that, when that's our when that's our vision or when that's our motivation for living our life the way we do, then we're loving God. God, I love you because I trust you. I believe you. I believe that you have my best interests in mind. And I'm hoping in your, in your grace and in your mercy and I'm going to trust in that. And as you do that, as you walk in that every single day, the more you walk in that, As human beings, we're going to mess up here and there. But as we walk in that every single day, the affection part will grow. The longer you're a Christian, the more you see God's hand in your life really doing the things that matter. You'll do these other things more and more. I've been walking this for a long time. I have a long ways to go. 
but I understand God more than I did 20 years ago. And I trust God more than I did 20 years ago. And I hope more. When I come into a situation and I see, ooh, this is a dire situation, immediately I, I'm, I, I put the, the understanding that, okay, God, you got this in control, you're going to pull me out of it. No, I falter here and there just like you do. You know, I, have, I have opportunities just like you. So it's not that we're perfect, but it's growing more and more every day. That's love. That's marriage. Love, love in a marriage isn't, oh, I just love you. You're amazing. You're so beautiful. She is, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> love is, you know what? I, I, I'm putting my trust that you're going to do the right thing. And if you don't, I'm not going to keep a record wrong of it. I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe, I'm going to expect. And it's that mutual doing that that grows then, then the feelings do come. Then that, 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 you know, do you love God? Yes, I love God. It grows over time. You don't have to go, you know, men, when you get saved, you go, I just love Jesus. I don't know that I'm there. I'm I'm not even, oh, I just love Jesus. No, I know Jesus. And I know how his love towards me because he doesn't keep record of wrong. He doesn't treat me bad. He doesn't, he's not uh, dishonor me. He doesn't do it. All of those things, and it's just like there's a mutual respect and there's a commitment that grows within that relationship. Now, this is just beginning level. This is just the explanation of it. It's in every one of these things that God wants to show us even more how to trust even more how to honor, even more how not to boast. So we grow in these day by day. I could preach a, a year's sermon on every one of these subtopics because it's so deaf. And each one of your experiences is different than the others. What you're walking through is different than what I'm walking through. You're learning a portion of God that I may never get to in this earth. because he's individual he loves you and he's working with you to grow in that area how do we begin to show god what i want us to do this next week is to read first corinthians 13 every day and begin to ask god okay god number one question is do i love you this way how do i how do i not and then eventually how do i do it better how do i walk in love towards you god We talk a lot about how do we walk in love towards each other better, but how do I walk in love towards God better every day? Amen? And one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 8, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part, disappears. When I was a child, this goes back to what we talked about last week. Remember we talked about growing up? It's time to grow up. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. There is a process in our Christian growth that allows for us to develop in these areas. You don't have to be perfect. 
You don't have to walk in perfect love with God every moment. He loves you anyway. He's not standing there with a scale. You notice I've had a scale on all of these. That's kind of ominous. He doesn't have a scale. He doesn't have a scale where, Pastor Karen, we've given you six times this week. This is the Holy Spirit talking. He's given you six times this week to walk in love towards me. Five out of six. One day. That's six times in one day that, you know, five times. He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't keep record of wrongs. He understands that we're in a growth process. He understands that I'm going to probably mess up today, but he's going to give me another chance tomorrow. And the next day he's going to give me another chance. The next day he's going to give me another chance. The next day he's going to... Because he understands that as we grow, like we were talking about with our children, what I expected of my children at age of one is a lot less than what I expected of them at the age of 13. And what I'm going to expect, I'm going to expect even more from them when they're 36. Or 49. Or 70. Or 80. We're growing. And in that growth, there's grace. In that growth, there's love. He loves us. God understands and loves us anyway during those times when we fall short in our love toward him. Amen? Let's stand. Father, as we go through this year, Lord, I pray that we get a deeper understanding of your love towards us. And that you show us how we are to love you in an ever-increasing way. Thank you, Father, for your love. And thank you, Lord, that that love is working. It really is working in our lives. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Please help with the chairs. If, you have, if you're a uh, prayer partner,